Hello, everyone. So if you were listening to the Formerly Fostered podcast last year, you're probably wondering what happened and maybe a little surprised that this is showing up in your feed. Now, if you follow me on social media or if you've emailed me, then this won't be a surprise to you. But I realized that I needed to give an update about a lot of the things that have happened over the past seven months. Yes, there is a seven month gap between episodes nine and 10. First things first, um, Formerly Foster did not go away completely. We actually got picked up by an internet radio station called IconRadio.fm. When we first started talking about collaborating, it was supposed to be a seamless process. I would just add music to the podcast, do some promotions, and that was it. However, I tend to overcomplicate things. A month before our debut show on Icon Radio FM, I started working on a second master's degree in social entrepreneurship at USC, full time. Now, my heart was telling me that working on three projects was fine, but my anxiety was screaming, this is not three projects. This is in fact 12 jobs, and most of them are full time. To give you an idea of the chaos that I was creating, here's a list of some of those jobs. Now, the first one was, of course, to attend class and complete all of the assignments and group projects. Then we have uh, contact emancipated youth and their allies for interviews, schedule and conduct interviews, edit interviews for the formerly fostered podcast, edit podcasts for the radio show, select appropriate music for Icon Radio FM, identify and contact musicians and spoken word poets that had experience with the system, serve as CEO for Green Pines Media, maintain a social media presence, schedule time with husband, schedule time with the kids we fostered, work on second novel. (laughs) I was delusional, mainly because I didn't even have full-time help. So I had to switch to the part-time program at USC and focus mainly on school and the radio show. But now that I found my rhythm, I've been able to tweak some things so I can work on the podcast twice a month, which was my goal. So this past Friday and Saturday, I attended an event called the Power and Pleasure of Podcasting. It was hosted by USC Visions and Voices, USC Annenberg, and the USC School of Dramatic Arts. There were some amazing podcasters and journalists there, and the main takeaway was don't overcomplicate things, (laughs) which apparently I needed to hear. Anyway, I was convicted, but I was also incredibly inspired. So here we are seven months later with episode 10 of the podcast. Now, if you heard the debut show on Icon Radio FM, you're basically all caught up. If you missed it, you're going to hear about how I got started, but you won't hear the music. I don't have permission to play that on the podcast, but future episodes will have music and spoken word poetry created by emancipated youth. Also, if you'd like to hear the radio show, you can find it on the TuneIn app under Icon Radio FM, so you could just do a search, and that's on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can also find it by visiting www.iconradio.fm, not .com. And again, that's on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay, so here we go. 
Saunders Green, and you're listening to Formally Fostered, brought to you by Green Pines Media and Icon Radio FM. This is a show about foster care and children's mental health services, and sometimes the juvenile justice system, mainly because there's a lot of intersection between the three. We give emancipated youth and their allies a place to share their truth. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the debut episode of Formerly Fostered on Icon Radio FM. I'm really excited that you're joining me for this. Um, for those of you familiar with Formerly Fostered, I just want to say thank you for um, just staying connected during this process. And for those of you who know nothing about Formerly Fostered, don't worry, I will go into detail about um what Formally Fostered is, who I am, and why I'm just so excited about this show, particularly on Icon Radio. So one of the first things I want people to know is that we are about advocacy, specifically about issues that are related to transition age youth, or TAY. And that's basically youth who have been in the system and are now transitioning into adulthood. Now, the ages may range, but we're specifically um, looking at a population who's Uh, between the ages of 18 and 30. Now, I'll talk a lot about foster care because uh, I am a child welfare social worker and that's where most of my experience has been. But just like it says in the intro, we'll also be talking about um, the juvenile justice system and children's mental health. Okay, so formally fostered is a place for the youth to share whatever their truth is, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, um, and also just to get their opinion and get their suggestions. Our goal is not to tell these stories to be voyeuristic and creepy. The goal is to hopefully learn from the mistakes that other people have made. Um, And if nothing else, just to understand the consequences of some of our actions, especially when kids are involved. I would absolutely love it if someone heard some of these stories and actually made a different choice that led to their kid not ending up in the system. I don't know if that will ever happen. All I know is I am really tired of trying to address a problem after the fact. I want to focus on prevention for a change. Something else you should know is um, confidentiality is really important, especially in social services, but sometimes it creates roadblocks. I mean. If nobody knows about a problem, how are we going to work towards fixing it? So to maintain privacy and confidentiality, um, all of the interviews with Formally Fostered are edited. The shows are also pre-recorded. Here is the biggest difference between the Formally Fostered podcast versus Formally Fostered on Icon Radio FM. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and listen to some music from The Weeknd and Kendrick Lamar. Oh, and there is a version of Chandelier by Sia that gives me goosebumps. If any of my kids are listening right now, they are probably thinking, who is this woman? But yes, guys, I actually know who Sia is now. Man, I can't remember if I was talking super fast or if it was sped up just so we could pack everything in. Anyway, uh, this is the place in the show where I started playing Pray For Me by The Weeknd and Kendrick Lamar. And as you all know, well, I hope you know, that was from the soundtrack of Black Panther because in July of 2018, we were all still basking in the glow of Wakanda. After that, I went into the piano version of Sia's Chandelier, and I'm gonna be honest, 
I had heard the song a couple of times, but I had no idea that it was basically about alcoholism, depression, and loneliness. And actually, I wanted to point something out. When I was a teen, I remember just really having a hard time expressing my feelings, just like a lot of teens do today. But certain songs really seem to express exactly how I felt. So if you're a parent or a caregiver of a teen, try listening to some of their favorite songs and reading the lyrics. And if you happen to find something that's troubling, don't freak out. Just use it as an opportunity to have a real discussion with them. Maybe try asking them why the song resonates with them so much. Just a thought. But okay, we're going to get right back to it. My experience with foster care, I was in the, I want to say the third or fourth grade. My mom was in and out of using substances that she shouldn't have been using. So it reflected her family, which got her family taken away. I lived a crazy childhood. I was taking my mom's car, taking her money. I was doing marijuana, had a lot of marijuana. Of course, my mom being like incoherent and drugged up, her response obviously wasn't like the right response. So he decided to take me to the hospital where like they said that she was feeding me cereal at like three weeks old. Okay, so welcome back to Formerly Fostered on Icon Radio FM. What you just heard were just some very small excerpts from some of the interviews that we've done with Transition Age Youth. Um, I'll probably also give you some examples, um, a couple of excerpts of interviews that I've done with some allies. Um, But I think in general, in this episode, I want to just start off by just sharing a little bit about who I am. That's a little uncomfortable for me because I don't ever want it to be about me. I want it to be about the issues, about the youth and their struggles and things we need to do to support um, the young people in our community. But, you know, one of my kids very wisely pointed out that people would probably be interested in knowing about how I'm tied to the issue. So that is why I'm talking about me. Okay, so I was working at a university in Southern California um, and I ended up working in the social work department. And um, I wanted to, you know, go to grad school and get my master's degree. And a professor actually heard me interacting with students and thought I would make a good social worker. And he encouraged me to um, apply for the MSW program, which is a master in social work program. So after I got accepted, He suggested that I apply for what's called the Title IV-E stipend. The Title IV-E program is an amazing program where the school, or more specifically the state, pays for your um, tuition in exchange for working for CPS for two years. Now, when this professor first suggested that, my first response was to say, absolutely not. I mean, I know what people say about social workers, especially in my community, and I didn't want any part of it. So he suggested that I talk to my husband about it. And long story short, after talking with my husband and then my dad and then praying about it, I decided to go ahead and apply for it. Um, And it was honestly the best decision that I could have ever made. 
So I have to tell you, true social work is not about breaking up families and snatching babies. It's supposed to be about helping people, you know, particularly people who are vulnerable and at risk. So as a child welfare social worker, that means abused and neglected kids, but also their families and even the communities that they live in. Unfortunately, we know that doesn't always happen, but again, we're talking about the true purpose of social work. On a side note, we also have social workers who are working with vets and the elderly and helping people transition out of hospitals. Um, you know, social workers who are therapists, social workers who are writing legislation. But I understand that that's not always the message that's conveyed. And those are some of the things we'll be talking about. So my first year internship, I ended up counseling kids in a juvenile hall. And when I say these kids looked out for me and gave me amazing advice, like I am not even kidding. This is where I really learned about what was happening in some of their communities. At one point, my husband and I were thinking about moving to the desert and I had kids giving me advice on real estate, like, you know, 14, 15 year olds telling me which neighborhoods were a little bit more safe, which neighborhoods to avoid, um, and also talking about all the crimes and all the things that would happen after the sun went down or I remember talking to um, you know one teen who was telling me that um, you know he felt really bad about being locked up in juvie I thought it was because of you know whatever the offense was that got him there but no he felt guilty because he was somewhere getting uh, fed on a regular basis where his siblings were at home hungry. That's when I realized that we have more of an issue of just quote bad kids. But you know what? We'll talk about some of those things too. In the meantime, I'm going to take a break, listen to a little bit of Rihanna and you know what? Maybe some pink. So during this break, I played Desperado by Rihanna and the clean version of effing perfect by pink and i have to say i learned to appreciate rihanna mainly because of my awesome niece tyler um but as far as pink is concerned i really started listening to her because one of our foster daughters um i don't know pink's music just really resonated with her and when things were really tense in the house it gave us something to talk about some kids are getting beaten every day some people are getting starved every day it's just like they don't see that. They just see that outside looking in like, oh, that's a perfect family. That's a, oh, you're you're doing very good here. Right. But when they leave, it's a whole different ballpark. The only thing I, I didn't like was to keep moving my stuff around. I wish, I wish I could have found a place where I could just keep my stuff there, come back for it whenever I need it, you know? Okay, so welcome back to Formally Fostered on Icon Radio FM. What you just heard were a couple of excerpts from some of the interviews that I've done with Transition Age Youth. And before the break, I was talking about my first year as a social worker intern where I was counseling kids who were in juvenile hall. So um, now I guess I'll talk a little bit about my second year internship at CPS. So if someone were to ask me just, you know, what was working at CPS like, um, it was really eye-opening. You know, it's so easy to stand on the outside and talk about what parents should be doing. But I quickly found that with the clients that I had, it wasn't just about them making one poor choice that led to them um, having their kids taken away. This was something that was becoming intergenerational. You know, there were young people who were in their early 20s who had been in foster care and now they were having kids and their kids were being detained. And it was this intergenerational 
generational trauma and all of these things going on. And, you know, it wasn't something that could just be fixed by removing a child. And then, of course, getting inside of the system and seeing so many amazing social workers who were really trying to make a difference, but just couldn't because there weren't enough good foster homes. And some of the policies were just frustrating. It was just really heart-wrenching work and I knew I could do it but I had my own issues. Early in our marriage my husband and I lost a baby and working with parents who were struggling to make their babies a priority just really started to weigh heavy on my heart and so while I knew I could do the work my prayer was like Lord I'll go wherever you want me to but please I would rather not work at CPS. Now I'm not saying that my prayer did this but um, what I can say is that for the first time in the history of the entire Title IV-E program, there was a hiring freeze on almost every agency in the state of California. And so rather than having to work at CPS, um, I was able to work at a nonprofit where we provided services to transition age youth first in a transitional housing program, and then later I started supervising an aftercare program. It was pretty awesome. I really loved working with this age group. I remember what it was like to be, you know, 18 and trying to figure out how to be a productive adult. And I had supportive family members. And you know what, let's be real, I am way past 18, but sometimes I still struggle with being a productive adult. Anyway. We created workshops and we tried to teach life skills and we offered supportive services. Um, and for some youth, that was great. That's all they needed. But for the vast majority, it really felt like we were just delaying the inevitable. A lot of them were struggling with homelessness. Um, sometimes they were leaving foster care and going right into the criminal justice system. And sometimes they were leaving foster care and going right back into the same abusive environments that they were removed from. But the thing that bothered me the most was actually a problem that I used to think was because of foster parents, but I later realized that it was actually a problem that I was creating as a social worker and an issue that just had to do with the system in general. Okay, so before a teen um, emancipated from foster care, we would hold these meetings to come up with um, what we called a transition plan. So this was basically the plan that was supposed to be in place for when their case actually closed, what was their housing going to be, what was the educational plan, who were their support systems, it was, you know, all of these things. Um, but the portion that ended up really frustrating me was, was the housing portion. We would talk with a young adult and we would encourage them to come up with three different plans and we would try to help them, you know, helping them figure out who some of their support systems were, um, you know, encouraging them to talk to different people. Um, you know, but, but the thing is, a lot of our youth, you know, they'd have one plan and think it was fine, but we knew that a lot of times those first plans would fall apart and we knew that because a huge number of our youth were ending up homeless. During these meetings, um, it would of course be the child, their foster parent, the county social worker, um, sometimes other community partners and our agency. So inevitably, we would in many cases ask the foster parent, okay, 
Um, when their case closes, would you be willing to at least let them stay with you for just 30 days? Just just give us a month so we can find a shelter or some safe living you know, situation for these youth. And every single time the foster parent would say, yes, of course they can stay with me. And I don't know what it was, but for some reason it seemed like back to back, we had youth who, you know, they would turn 18 and within like, I don't know, a day or two, it seemed like their foster parents were calling my agency saying, come and get them and putting their things in garbage bags and sitting them on the steps. But here's the thing we did wrong on our end. You know what, let me rephrase that. This is what I did wrong on my end. And this is how I incorrectly trained my staff. I should have never asked a foster parent that question around other people, and especially not in front of that child. Because think about it. What would the ride home have been like had they said, no, my foster child cannot stay with me after their case closes. How peaceful do you think their home would have been had they actually said, no, I don't want my teenage foster child to stay with me after their case closes. What we should have done was contacted them before the meeting and asked them in private so we could assess what the living situation was. Now, I could be wrong, but back then, I don't think we were talking much about trauma and uh, the impact of trauma on brain development and behavior and things like that. Uh, because trust me when I tell you, trauma and anxiety and stress can make a young adult have a tantrum about soap. And in the moment, they may not even realize why they're behaving the way they are. Someone who understands trauma understands that that young adult needs some time to kind of digest what's going on. They don't need an argument or someone to say, get out of my house because they think they're just being rebellious or difficult. Oh, and by the way, Emancipation is stressful, so they will sometimes act up and mouth off and misbehave and start to think, I don't have to follow rules and I'll do what I want to do. Or this, this teen may test boundaries just to see if the foster parent really will follow through and be there for them. So anyway, if you were a foster parent who attended a transitional conference that I happened to be at, I apologize. That should have never happened. At the time, I honestly did not realize that I was putting you on the spot. So here we took a break to listen to Like I Mean It from Stars Go Dim and All This Time by Britt Nicole both of which you'd likely hear on a contemporary Christian radio station, and both were pretty indicative of the type of music that I'd been listening to for the past 13 years or so. If you know anything about me, you know that I've never really been into rap music, but that's starting to change, mainly because of these very talented young adults. Every now and then I go to performances to support our featured artists, and when I do, it is usually an adventure, especially if the venue is 420 friendly. Uh, if you happen to be at one of those events, feel free to come over and introduce yourself. I will be the non-smoking middle-aged auntie, and I'll probably be wearing a cape because I'm always cold, and sketchers because some of these spaces don't have chairs. And by the way, that is not a complaint. I love the fact that these artists actually feel comfortable inviting me to their shows. That's not something that I probably would have done in my previous role as a social worker. So when I can go, I definitely do. Um, right now, she has her boyfriend visiting from Minnesota. Not just her boyfriend, but her boyfriend and his mom. 
how did your daughter and her boyfriend meet? They met online. Three families have already said no to, to this, this little, little to this little girl. She said they're African American and she is much darker skin than they are. And they said that they cannot have her. What I did was serve over my kid to the system and let her go where she was then abused even way worse than anything I could have ever have done. Welcome back to Formerly Fostered on Icon Radio FM. If you are just tuning in with us, um, my name is Dina Saunders-Green, and what you just heard were just a couple of little samples of interviews that I've actually done with um, not transition age youth, but um, transition age youth allies. And an ally can be someone, um, really anyone who's just interested in helping these youth, uh, but interested to the point where they're willing to put some work behind it. Um, so these could be current or former foster parents. These could be social service providers, probation officers, um, and even bio family members. Allies are extremely important to our youth. I cannot emphasize this enough. And let me tell you why. I remember talking with a number of youth who were really successful in the program and just asking them, like, why do you think you're successful? What, what is it that's helped you? Without fail, what they described was a lifelong connection. Someone, some adult, some caring adult had chosen to stay plugged into their life. They could go somewhere to get a meal. They could spend holidays somewhere. They could go to this adult. Um, you know, and, and if they need it to at least have a place to stay temporarily. I realized that that was the way that I needed to go. Now, at one point, my husband and I had informally fostered a 17-year-old that we knew. Um, just to you know get them through high school and on their feet and later on we fostered an 18 year old from our community and then the 18 year old's friend came to stay with us we really just provided some stability so they could finish high school and then get on their feet and you know what we really enjoyed it and my husband and I had talked about eventually becoming foster parents to teens so I ended up resigning as the supervisor of the aftercare services program to become a full-time foster parent. You know, my husband and I were both knuckleheads when we were teenagers, like a lot of people were. And, you know, I just really saw that when we learn life skills, we did it in the context of a family who provided support, who was there for us, regardless of our behavior. And that's what I wanted to do for teens. You know, some people thought I was absolutely crazy. And, you know, a lot of people wondering, like, you know, why would you do that? You know, you're just wasting your degree. But I didn't see it that way. I saw it as a chance to not only help the youth, um, but, you know, just to experience the system from a completely different perspective. We ended up uh, partnering with an amazing foster family agency called Olive Crest. I really love the work they're doing in the community for our youth. So if you are interested in becoming a foster parent or in mentoring, give them a call. Again, that's Olive Crest. Um, we had such amazing um, case managers and support staff at Olive Crest. They recognized that I needed a bit of a break. And so I thought, you know, we have these empty rooms and we can become foster parents immediately. And Olive Crest basically said, you know what, why don't you just wait a moment and breathe? I took two months to just rest. And in that time, I just started writing. Eventually, I wrote my first book called Angelique, a transitional age youth novel. And it's just one girl's story about her life before, during, but especially after her time in foster care. And, um, 
you know, I thought I can use it as a way to engage the youth and I can, you know, use it for community outreach. I can raise awareness about what's happening with this youth. It's based on a lot of things that our youth end up struggling with. I had a bunch of them printed up and I donated hundreds of them to different nonprofits, different agencies, and a couple things started happening. One, I started to see my book um, for sale online and it wasn't books that I was selling. Now, <laughs> if these agencies were actually letting the youth read the books, fine, do what you want. They were a gift, sell them. But I'm pretty sure a lot of those kids weren't getting the books. The other thing that happened was I started going into um, agencies and talking with the youth about the book um, and just about Angelique because I felt that this was uh, someone that the kids could relate to. I, I got some really good feedback and a lot of the youth were like, oh, okay, that's really cool. And then I started to see that a lot of youth had their own stories that they wanted to tell. And I thought, huh, you know, maybe there's something to this. So I remember going into one agency and a young adult was sitting there listening and kind of nodding. And she says, you know, this is great, Miss Dina, you wrote a book, but you know what? I don't read. What else do you have? And I thought, huh? And, and that's a valid question because the reality is I don't even have time to read right now. So Formally Fostered basically started because a young adult had enough courage to say, I'm not going to read your book. I can respect that. So I can't remember which agency this was at, but I would like to say to that young adult, thank you. Because of you, we now have Formally Fostered on Icon Radio FM. That was my first experience with something called human-centered design. I just didn't know it had an official name. The idea is, if you're creating something that doesn't fit the needs of your target population, it's probably going to be a waste of resources. So whether it's the beginning of a project or the very end, we should always keep the end user in mind. And of course, that would be our customers or clients. For example, I thought my books were perfect for emancipated youth, but it turns out that most of my readers were actually allies, like foster parents and, you know, service providers. You know, just people who wanted to know more about some of the gaps in the system and people who really wanted to connect with this particular age group. On a side note, I'm the first to admit that I am terrible when it comes to marketing, so that probably had something to do with it as well. A lot of people don't even know that I wrote a book, but just a quick plug, if you're interested, you can go to Amazon and search for Angelique, a transitional age youth novel. You can read the first few pages and buy it in paperback or Kindle format, or go to greenpinesmedia.com and just, you know, buy five or 10 copies. Uh, but full disclosure, it is fiction, but it is not easy reading. It contains descriptions of child abuse and neglect, so it can be a trigger. I've had people tell me that they couldn't read it because it was too realistic. So just please take care of yourself. Uh, but if you do purchase it, please do me a favor. Read the first few chapters and leave a review. It really helps. So during this break, I played Freedom by Beyonce featuring Kendrick Lamar because Lemonade was pure art. I also played Beggin' by Madcon because my husband is obsessed with two things, all things Hamilton and the Step Up movie franchise. Okay, let's get back to it. School is not always an option for everyone. Some people just are more artistic. They need to do something else. And some people can't handle a nine to five job. I don't know why, you know, selling their paintings and stuff at the swap meet doesn't count as a job. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Formerly Fostered on Icon Radio FM. My name is Dina Saunders-Green, and what you just heard was the interview that started it all. Not only was it the first interview for uh, what would eventually become the Formerly Fostered podcast, that was the interview that eventually led me to start Green Pines Media as a whole. Um, During that conversation, I talked with a young adult who was just wondering, like, you know, there are artistic youth out there why can't their art be used to teach life skills? And why can't they use their creativity? And she had a really good point. It started with creative writing and then doing interviews. And then we had a campaign and we actually hired the youth as models. So we use indie publishing, podcasts, art, and any type of multimedia platform to raise awareness about the issues that are going on with transition age youth, but also to teach life skills. I don't want anyone to ever be able to say, no one ever told me. And that's why Green Pines Media exists. But full disclosure, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, really, I know social work. I don't know about media, but I know how to collaborate. And that's what I love about Icon Radio FM. They play really good music, but they're also incredible advocates for veterans and for former foster youth. I'm starting to meet some really talented transition age youth who um, have some really great music. So in addition to playing traditional songs, my goal is to make room in the show to feature polished music and spoken word poetry that's created by transitional age youth. So if you are at least 18 years old and you have been in foster care, children's mental health, or the juvenile justice system, and you have music that is polished and doesn't have a whole bunch of F-bombs because, you know, that kind of hurts my ears, um, email me at info at greenpinesmedia.com and just send me a link um, to your SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever it is that you have. And um, you know what? Let's see what happens. Thank you for tuning in to Formerly Fostered on Icon Radio FM. Our theme music is by the very talented and very generous Kevin McLeod. You can find more interviews by visiting our website, greenpinesmedia.com. And if you'd like to find out about other ways we're doing social work, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Green Pines Media. So, until next time, have a good one.